Welcome to the Filmesteins, the podcast where we discuss all things movies. Join us as we dive deep into the latest releases, revisit classic films, and explore the art of cinema. Whether you're a film fanatic or just love a good flick, we've got you covered. From Hollywood blockbusters to indie gems, we'll be breaking down the storytelling, cinematography, and everything in between. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and get ready for some cinematic magic. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Filmesteins. We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level. For the $5 tier, your grants the ability to request films for future episodes. This is the Film of Steins, where movies are more than just entertainment, they're an experience. They're an experience all around you. You, you, you. And welcome back to another great episode of the Film of Steins, the fastest growing podcast in the world. Your favorite podcast to come and discuss films with your new friends. And speaking of friends... I'm joined by my wingman friend, Lucy. Hello, everyone. And thank you guys for tuning in. You can join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with a new episode from a random movie. You know, hopefully we're covering the newer films. You know, that we're kind of punctual, hopefully. You know, we're trying to get better at that. Yep. We're going to start a new initiative by watching movies sooner as they come to theater and whatnot. And join us soon for content exclusive episodes on our patreon including ranking different directors filmography um our favorite kill scenes and from a variety of movies is that how you would say that yeah maybe favorite death favorite how, death how someone died has someone died how yeah. someone has died lots of stuff coming to our patreon and this episode is about a movie by a director that I didn't know when we were going to cover the first for the first time. I was curious because he's a he's an important director today, right? Christopher Nolan, of course, I'm talking about, and the film is Dunkirk, 2017's Dunkirk. Another 2017 movie? That's our favorite year. That's not my favorite year. John Wick 2, Guardians 2. Guardians 2, yeah. Beating the Beast live action. It's a good, well, it's a, it's a good year. A decent year. Decent year for movies. I think this year is pretty good, too. Which year? This, this year? year? 2023? Yeah. To give an update, Barbie just crossed $1 billion. Oh, my god! It's definitely on track to take Mario. It's going to be the biggest movie of the year. No. Yep. It doesn't even deserve it. Yep. <sighs> okay. Well, good for them. Yeah, good for them. I'm glad it's something else. You know, it's not a Marvel movie. It's something else. That's cool. Although Guardians would have been fine. Guardians would have been fine, but it just, you know, it's kind of boring. I'm glad... Other movies are kind of climbing the charts, and it's the second movie of the year to cross a billion dollars. Are we going to get a third one? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. It's pretty interesting stuff. I Guardians was kind of close, about $120 million short. Yeah, I guess I would have figured if any of them was going to come close to that, come close to Mario numbers, it would have been Barbie. Yeah, I was uncertain about that third week. I thought things were going to drop off pretty crazy, but it looks like they are staying... Right in pace, like we are. It's like three fifty the first week, three fifty the second week, three fifty the next week. It looks like this third week might be the best week of all. So it's it's kind of picking up steam, but because we're still we still have Sunday to get through. But today we are talking about the famous Dunkirk film. I feel like it was a little. I feel like I didn't hear about it that much in twenty seventeen. I know it's probably it's his most award-winning film, I think, Christopher Nolan. 
I read it won a lot of awards, but I'm not sure if it's his most award-winning. I did read somewhere that with with every movie he comes out with, he outdoes himself. So I don't know. But as far as how many awards, I'm I'm not sure. But um, I'd be willing to bet that yeah, this one is. This one's it. I'm pretty torn by this movie. I, there's a lot I like about it, and there's a lot that is just seems so unnecessary and confusing for no reason at all. What do you think about this film? I'm going to start out saying that I liked it. I think it was, you know, I think it was okay. It was, con- I, I was content, like content with this movie. It wasn't a masterpiece, but it wasn't shit that we've been seeing lately. Um, Am I right there in the middle? Maybe, maybe Talking about it with you will help me decide which side I am, if I'm on the better side or the worst side. I don't watch a lot of war movies. War movies kind of bore me a little bit just because I think they're a little slow. Um, I think they tend to be pretty moody. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I don't always like that. But this one was a little bit better paced. and it was um, short pretty short film it was short and i like that for a war film i think especially yeah. yeah i also really liked the uh perspective uh switch that we had going on here did i follow it the whole time no sometimes i was confused on which which guy was supposed to be which guy and kind of makes sense because you have all these people and they're all wearing the same uniform and you know you have three guys on a plane with the same uniform, same plane, it can t- it tends to get a little bit confusing. But I did like the perspective switch, and um, I while watching it, I didn't um, immediately notice this, but the perspective switch is from land, sea, and air, which I thought was really cool. You didn't hear me say that during no, the movie. No, I didn't hear you. I was. I told you that. You did. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't catch it. I didn't. I was, probably ignored you i'm sorry i was like yeah you're trying to keep up because yeah. the the whole I, I i like the perspective change a lot too i think that's very cool and i like that we don't get a lot of characterization with the characters mm-hmm. i like that because it starts we're not we don't have a drama happening here so much it's more of a and it's a more it's kind of a it's an interesting spin on a anti-war film uh, but from the perspective of desperation, just trying to crawl away from a losing battle. Yeah, like a kind of survival. Yeah. Film a, here. It's. I think that's really cool. I think it's super cool, and it's stopping me from loving this movie. Or what is stopping me from loving this movie is the time changes in perspective, the time, uh, the time jumps, because it happened. We not only have three perspectives. We have time jumps in between each of these perspectives constantly, back and forth between all of them. And so just they cross over each other and then you're, you know, you're connecting the dots and you're like, oh shit, those people climb, those, those people swimming are actually the people that were on land just a minute ago or, you know, for yes. most of the movie and stuff. And you're just like, oh, it's kind of a fun thing to kind of all come together at the last 20, 25 minutes, but it does not serve this movie in any way whatsoever. It, if anything, it only confuses you because there's not a really, there's no, this is all happening within the same few hours. 
You know, it's not like we just recently saw Oppenheimer and things take place over years and they approach that through, they, they go, of course he goes back and forth between time, but he approaches that through black and white. Right. And so it helps kind of delineate the, what we're fucking looking at. You know, there's no, there's not a lot of confusion as far as like where you are in time. Not too much at least. Yeah. And I was going to bring this up, I guess when we did Oppenheimer, but, um, that's something I appreciated about that film. And I've seen it done so well in TV shows too, when they're showing us a flashback or something. And, you know, TV shows can get a lot, can get away with a lot more because they have the time to get away with it. But oftentimes you'll give this character some way that he got hurt. So now he has a scar. So now that's how you know that they're going back in time or not. I don't know if you've watched uh, 13 Reasons Why with me when I was watching those. But I think it was, yeah, it's the first season, I think. Um, Our main guy gets hurt and he's got this like big gash on his head. So that's how you know that this is present time because he fell off his bike and got hurt. And in the past, he doesn't have that scar anymore. So, yes, something we the audience needs something to know that they're going back to time, especially with all these dudes looking alike. They're all, yeah, they're all in gear. They're all, they're driving something. They're, they're totally, they're totally without character. Yeah. And that's an important part of the movie that I appreciate a lot, but it also hurts the film because I don't know where the fuck I'm at in time. Yes. And I don't know who anyone is. And so it's just, it's confusing for no fucking reason because it doesn't, like the convergence of it all doesn't add up to anything. You know, there's not some big dramatic reveal other than some of these people get saved, some of these people don't. That's, but we knew that was going to happen. That's just yeah. the nature of, war that's the nature of people fighting for their lives like this you know so it doesn't it really does and i know i know christopher nolan's often criticized for shit like that the confusing the confusing time line and sound of course mm-hmm. i thought i know this got some slack for his sound working like the normal thing he does where he muffles like some muffled sound and stuff but that that wasn't even a problem here i thought it was gonna be more of a problem i thought it was gonna be like a not a problem because it would have worked here because not being able to, not being able to hear makes sense to me in a war setting with all the explosions Confusion, and yelling yeah. and the open areas and stuff and just the chaoticness of it. You know, it makes sense. What were you going to say though? Oh, yeah. I was going to say that there was um, the scene where it was nighttime. And so that kind of gives you like a, it's supposed to, it's supposed to give you a clue that this is, either a different setting or a flashback and i guess my dumb brain said oh it's a different setting so now i'm confused on where everyone was at all of a sudden and you know who was what and why were these pilot dudes flying in the air and it wasn't dark then but now it is like yeah it it got a little bit confusing for me until the end and it all merged together and i was like oh okay yeah that was them that was a flashback got it yeah, but it's again, it's not worth it because it frustrates you to know because it's not that complicated of a story. It's not like I'm, I'm sure I haven't seen Inception yet. We will cover that at some point, but Inception, um, it's the confu- the confusing timeline is sort of important because it has to do with dreams within dreams within dreams, right, or something like along those lines. I don't know exactly, but that seems to make sense to me that time would be all kinds of fucked up like in Narnia, you know, when they go into the, although it's very straightforward in the Narnia world, time just happens much quicker in, in Narnia world relative to Earth world or whatever. And so like, it's very linear and it's not, 
overlapping and being weird and stuff like yeah. it is in a Christopher Nolan film, but it's just see that seems to make sense to me within like the dream thing, you know, that that uh that checks out my mind. But it's so just Oh, stop moving around, you know, focus on these characters a little more linearly. You know, you've got the beautiful set pieces. You've got the great performances. You've got the lack of characterization that helps emphasize the body of the army, you know, the military doing their thing. And you've got it all figured out. So I'm really, I'm really torn in this movie. There's a lot I like about here, but it's, it's like it's like when you meet someone, you know, you get a new girlfriend or a boyfriend and there's a lot to like about them, but there's just that one thing that bothers the shit out of you, you know what I mean? And it's just it's happening here with me. You know what I'm saying? Or just a friend oh, or whatever. No. <laughs> that's the thing that's going to make you break up with Yeah, them. you're just like, "God <laughs> damn it, just take a bath or whatever, you know." She's beautiful, but she's got toe thumbs, or you she, know. <laughs> God, Megan Fox. Oh, Megan Fox. <laughs> that's what she's known for, her toe thumbs. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I guess I don't I wouldn't mind too much whether it's linear or not as far as timeline, but just I mean, I guess I when I say that I I don't I guess I don't mean maybe literally. I just mean back up on crossing these timelines over with each other and stuff this much. We need the just less is more kind of thing. Although this isn't really a less or more situation, but it just it, he goes a little overboard with it. I, I, a little bit of it maybe could really serve the movie in some way, but it just it it frust it becomes so frustrating that it's it does it takes you away from the movie. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it would just help if you know it would have just been done a little bit better as far as letting your audience know where we were. You know, because you you. You can have a smart audience and just kind of let them know where they are and they can keep up. And I think the way to do that is to have each of the perspectives on different timelines or at different points in the timeline. That's how you do that. You keep each of them linear, but they cross over at different times. And so the air guy, we see, you know, he's flying around, but we see the guy is swimming. And then we find out later in the movie, so we're still lin we're going linear with the air guy. And the, but we find out later in the movie, towards the end still, that those guys swimming were actually the guys that were on land at the you know while we were watching at that point in the movie. And then we cross that over. So in the next time we watch it, we're like, oh shit, that's them. We know yeah. that's them, you know, the, from the first time we see them. And then kind of a similar thing with the the guys on the boat, that kind of thing. They're all they're moving. They're all different. They're all moving forward, for, but starting at different points in the timeline. And so we're we see the pieces kind of come together by just virtue of paying attention yeah i guess that would help because so, like so he, he needed something he definitely needed something to make it a little bit more obvious to us or maybe more understandable here yeah you know? this is when his because i don't think it's a lack of like cohesiveness it's just a lack of doing it too much doing it too much yeah Maybe. He just jumps around too much. Yeah, you can jump a around bit a little much. bit, but just that's a good way to put it. It's especially in something like this. Like this is this should this should not be a confusing thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna, I haven't seen Inception, so I don't. Maybe it's not even fair to say, but I feel like confusing me in Inception makes sense. Confuse me all you want, so I have to rewatch it over again, over and again. I know he's about he's all about forcing an audience to rewatch a movie, and. Whatever that means, you know, 
he'll have to develop and he is developing with the, you know over his filmography what was your favorite perspective definitely the land dudes uh tommy and what's his name gibson fake fake gibson or thieving gibson i don't know what you call someone impersonator impersonator gibson here yeah. those they cracked me up man talk about talk about being so smart in like a surviving setting i i really enjoyed watching them too and they're a little bit of their dynamic and how they didn't even talk to each other but yeah i like that a lot especially because we we find out later that he's british you know we're kind of i think we're supposed to be a little suspicious that he might be german i was i was very suspicious i think we're supposed okay, to good. be but when we find out he's he's french and they call him a frog is that derogatory towards french people at the time that's kind of funny if it is <laughs> oh my gosh yeah if you're french let us know <laughs> that's funny we have a Canadian listener, so if you you know if you if you're familiar with that, let us know on our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/Filmesteins. But yeah, I like that they didn't talk at all, and then they just kind of understood that they were gonna do any by, they were gonna do anything by any means necessary to you know get get out yeah. of there first. Yeah, I really like that. I I think though maybe not weakest because I don't I don't think any of these perspectives were particularly weak. Just maybe my least favorite would be the um the water guy the old guy yeah the yacht guy yeah yeah he was he was a little funny he had he had, he really i guess exuded is that the word mm-hmm. he really exuded the most amount of character because he had this real patriotic thing going on that yeah. he had to do this for his country whether he was whether it meant losing his you know i mean it meant potentially losing his life right and he was he was real into you know doing that and that it's very cool because it, I guess it maybe doesn't have anything to say about his character necessarily, but maybe the sense of the British like energy at the time too, because I guess this is based on true story. And if the all the civilian boats come to the rescue, there obviously must be this sense of you know this. All right, it's time for the rest of Britain to kick in. It's not just up to the military. Yeah, which is which is very cool. Very cool. Yes, and I cannot imagine. I don't, we don't live in a situation where we can just go across the pond to like here in the United States, you know, do something like this, but I can never imagine Americans doing this today. Nope. Maybe not Britons either. I'm not sure. So yeah, that is one of my favorite parts of the movie, this, this like countrywide kind of unity. I, and I, I like that a lot. I don't, I, I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of war movies. My mm-hmm. favorite war movie is All Quiet on the Western Front. Not. It is a really amazing movie, but you know, I, I don't have a lot to pick from when it comes to war movies. Like, I, to be honest, I, I can't name another one off the top of my head that I've seen. Yeah, same. <laughs> Except fake war movies like Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. It's a great movie, but it's not you know not a proper war movie. Right. I think the other war movie that I've seen that comes to my head is. Um, the boy in striped pajamas and i think i've read the book too and that's not really about the war yeah per more se. you know we don't have war camp. stuff huh is it more concentration camp related it's more on the little kids focus and their friendship and the concentration camps and i guess his dad was a general or some some you know somebody important yeah and um I did see a lot of people comparing this to uh, Saving Private Ryan, but I've never seen that movie. 
Yeah, I haven't either. Is that a Spielberg movie? It might be. I know it's a Tom Cruise movie. Not Tom Cruise. It's a um, Tom Hanks film. One of the Toms. Yeah, it is uh, Steven Spielberg. That's interesting. He's done Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. That's Those are two of the most iconic war films ever made. I mean, Schindler's List is often, I think, noted down as one of the greatest movies ever made. Like with The Godfather and Citizen Kane and 21, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think Schindler's List is often that, which is crazy. Haven't seen it, but maybe someday. Yeah, another thing I didn't like about this film was how... Well, I don't know if I didn't like it or not. I'm still trying to decide um, if it, if there was a reason why these factors weren't included in the movie. But it was the lack of dirtiness and grime and blood. We had we had no gore. How are you gonna have a war movie with no gore? Yes, and this is I don't I've never i don't read into a lot of christopher nolan criticism i try not to read into any criticism because i just don't give a shit about what a lot of other people have to say because i just want to you know approach it from my own unique perspective right i don't like being corrupted in any way whatsoever because especially like hype you know hype is very susceptible hype is very contagious i should say and it can definitely murder a movie for me or a video game or whatever for example i've just played a game called undertale Mm mm-hmm it's one of these indie, early indie darlings that I've told you about, like with uh, Hollow Knight and Shovel Knight. And it had just, it had been on my radar since it came out, of course, and I just haven't got around to it. But I played it recently, and it was not very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not, it's like, it's okay. It's, it, you know, it serves a purpose, and it very, you know, I'm definitely a victim of the hype, I think, you know, because I, have gamer friends so then then they all played it and so just it built from there so and i know christopher nolan people his audience suffers from that a little bit too because he has very polarizing uh you know persons in the audience where people think he's the most pretentious director ever to walk the earth or that he's the greatest filmmaker to ever walk the earth which which is cool, you know that that's a uh, I I appreciate a director who can live in that space and still continue to do whatever the fuck they want. You know, they're, I don't feel like they pander all that much to any side. I feel like he makes exactly what he wants. And we I, I guess we recently learned that his wife is this one of these people in his lives that she's a producer in his films. Thank God. So she has actual you know money power, creative power, right to say no, Chris, we're gonna. We're gonna have to stop you there. So, but yeah, she We're helps regulate his 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 in quotes creativity, you know, because just because you can make a Jackson Pollock doesn't mean you should. You know, it's it's not a Jackson Pollock, right? You don't want to. You you can't just throw a paint at a thing, and you know that you gotta. That's already. It's either a. It's already been done, and you'll never do it as well, or you just missed your chance to do it, or it's just too much. It's just too much. Yeah. And thank, I guess, thank God she's the, she and several others are probably there to help tell him no. Cause, cause we, cause apparently this film, uh, was first approached from the idea that this was going to be all improvised, right? Yeah. That's madness. <laughs> That's fucking madness. He should, you know, you should be spending a year to figure out what the shots are going to look like, you know, six months, probably minimum. 
and they were going to try to improvise this, that's that's madness. Complete madness. This movie would have been $500 million probably if they did that. Probably would have gone in history as being one of the most expensive films ever. Uh, especially because they had so many practical effects going on. So they would have had to reshoot and reshoot with these planes and stuff. And how expensive, man. How expensive does it, you know, is it to to get these off the ground and to be going for several hours, several days at a time and stuff, you know, I know, I think a, um, I can't remember what the, I can't remember, I don't know what jets are called, but I was listening to this podcast with, uh, with this, um, Air Force guy, and he was talking about how I think it costs 30000 an hour to fly these jets. Holy crap. Yeah, and so you can only imagine what that looks like in a film setting. <laughs> it's going to take more than an hour just to get one shot on any film doesn't matter so this movie needs to be shot listed out and scripted and everything that you cannot yeah. improvise something like this this i couldn't i can't believe this is you know thank god for his wife kind of thing i can't believe he thought that was an option to do <laughs> that's craziness that's is he an egomaniac i don't know i don't know what is he was he wanting to flex that creative muscle to the maximum degree i just don't know because that's just that just that would scare the shit out of me as a producer. <laughs> if I was paying for this movie, I'd be like, oh my God, we got to tell this guy no. But how do you tell Christopher Nolan no? You know, whether you, you like him or wife. not. Yeah, you send his wife. Yeah. <laughs> go, go tell him. Because yeah. I, I, as a normal producer, I would, I, it's, I guess it's a perfect match, really. I, as a normal producer, I just how do you tell someone who made Inception, Interstellar, the Batman trilogy, how do you tell them, how do you tell that person no? I'd tell him no. Jesus Christ. He needs to be on movies. his crew because he needs his people. You know, I'm, I'm glad he recognizes that because he could not work with his wife and others. One criticism that I don't see about Christopher Nolan is how too clean his films are. They're yes. not. They're not natural enough, and especially in a setting like this, it, they're just not. They don't have that. I guess they just don't have that naturalism. I don't want to say realism, but they just they. Where's the filth? Where's the sweat? Where's the... Oh my God, yes. I didn't where's, think about that. You know, and I, I... Where's like the desperation? Where's the, the, the dread on characters' faces? And there's... You can miss maybe a little bit of that here. That This goes for, I think, probably all of his films, really. His films are just too clean. Which is very cool. In a way, but it, you do need to kind of serve the film first over your creative vision. You know, because if you've got a story on Dunkirk... About Dunkirk, I feel like there needs to be a little bit more going on here as far as uh, just filth and gore go. But I did want to say one thing I do appreciate that we don't see here that could kind of fit into this is the the fear and the yelling and stuff. Because again, you talked about how like when they got on the ground, they were like, "Do they can they just not go anywhere and stuff?" And it's like, I mean, like yes and no, because you just don't know where the bombs are going to be dropped for one, right? You don't... You just take it? You just have to... You just kind of... You don't have to just take it, but they do kind of end up just taking it because they get on the ground. I'm sure there's someone ordered to do that. But there's this sense of exhaustion. Like, they can't even do anything, even if they wanted to. Like, they just... They're so just defeated and ready to go. And, and we see that a little bit throughout the film with that one guy who just walks into the water, you know? Like, he's just going to swim out there. You know, what are you going to do? You know, you're like 70 miles away. I don't know how far away England proper is to the the mainland, but or Britain proper is to 
to the to the mainland but it just that kind of stuff resonates with me a lot because they're all in an orderly fashion when the plans come by they just drop to the ground when they're on the bridge or whatever the pier thing they just drop to the ground you know it's like yeah you could kind of see them jumping in the water and stuff but then all of a sudden you know if you think about for just a second especially in the water if they all just start jumping in the water they're gonna start drowning each other you know out of survival panic right yeah and so i guess in a sense maybe it is better to stay still yeah i guess the only blood we saw or the only blood i remember seeing which is funny because a lot of people died a lot of people got exploded but the only blood i remember seeing was on george when he hit his head and um got knocked out he got i don't know if he went unconscious or what but you know whatever he hit his head and um what was it the guy's name was it peter the boy the old dude's son yeah and uh peter i guess touched it and got some on his hand or was looking at it or something and uh, the blood was still not red it was i i, I don't know how to say it i mean it, it didn't look like blood it didn't look gory it didn't look like oh shit this dude got hit you you could barely even tell he got hit because it was so dark and just I, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it here. But even then, we didn't get any of that. But then again, it, is it something I needed for this kind of film? I don't know. We didn't go fight the enemy. I mean, we don't even see any of the, any of the Germans. We basically just see the British side. So it kind of makes sense that we don't have a lot of fighting scenes. You know, none of this killing each other. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if if it's necessary or not for this type of film. But I do think we need some of the griminess at least. Yeah. You know, these who knows how long these boys have been without a shower. And we see him several times trying to take a crap. And obviously they're out pooping everywhere. <laughs> I don't know about everywhere, but at least over there somewhere. So there's... There's an element here of these boys don't have a bathroom to go to. They don't have a shower to go to. So we do need some of that. The blood, okay, I can I can live without the blood maybe, but I'm all about gore, so I don't know. And you even have the scene where a dead body is floating in the water and they're kind of like trying to push it back or push it away. I don't know what was going on there. But even then, you don't have like, you, you know, you don't see anyone's face. You don't see the paleness, the deadness in anything. So I don't I, I don't know if I need that or not. Yeah, I feel like we got so little of it that it does, that does start to hurt the film. Because we could have seen, maybe after they dropped some of the bombs or mortars, we could have seen, we don't need any close-ups, I don't think necessarily what I'm about to say, but just some arms, stray arms. On the beach, you know, when we get right. these sweeping landscapes, maybe we see a leg here and there, you know, or or just a, a torso that's just been got a it's got a gap in it or something. Yeah, and we don't we don't need any close ups to you know kind of focus on the graphicness of it because that's the the graphic and violent nature is not the point of this film, right? So I I get the the resistance to kind of get to get into that because. That, because, you know, gore and how graphic a film is, is it varies. That is such a big range for how much people can take, you know. So maybe any bit of um 
mutilation was just too graphic for Christopher Nolan. Maybe he's just not, doesn't really, you know, maybe that's just not a thing he appreciates in the film. And I get, I I say, this is, you know, this is a very kind of conflicting thing in my mind, you know, that you want to serve. I said earlier that we want to serve the story. And that's only really half true because I think the vision is the most important part of any creation, especially film. But when you start to write a story, especially a very grounded, realistic, maybe based on true things, this kind of story, you are kind of forced by the nature of the story, the nature of the project you're working on, to bend some knees that maybe you normally wouldn't go down, you know, to get... And that that includes, I think, a little bit of gore. And you could PG-fy it a little bit by keeping the camera off of it, you know? Because, I mean, there's not anything more graphic. We get, I mean, we get one instant of it, there's just no decapitation, there's no limbs missing, but pushing that dead body away in the water, there's nothing more graphic than that. Yes. He's like, he's basically like, you know, kind of like, ugh, you know, like, this is, you know, this, I can't get fucking look me. at this, you know? <laughs> And we also get a little bit of blood when they pick up that guy from the stretcher and try to go take it, which is also one of my favorite scenes. There. Might be the best scene in the yes, whole movie. It's that awesome. Was good. That was pretty good. And they're silent. Good. It's so good. And then there's just a bunch of rumbling of other people from the military and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get through the crowd and everything. And it's like, that's actually, you know, and uh, this film, I will say the timeline thing is kind of fucked up in my mind with this movie, but the editing saves it a little bit the editing's really good yeah. i know the guy i think it gets the oscar for best editing that year or whatever if it i mean it, it's definitely great editing because if it didn't have great editing the timeline jumping would have been 10 times more confusing but they managed to to save itself somewhat towards the end but, but yeah when they when they get him on that stretcher when they see that guy just he's like dying he's not quite dead and they, I guess they just they find a stretcher somewhere and they put them on there. It's so it's so good. Yes, but even then, you we we could have made this guy more dirty, made this guy have more blood maybe somewhere else. Let bits and pieces of that. Maybe we could have got a shot of like some blood dripping through the stretcher. Yeah, like a shot. Somehow the camera was up under there and we were seeing their feet, and then a, like we just saw you know a little bit of blood drip. Perfect. Something like that. Something we, we, like I that. think we would need a little bit more, but here and there. But yeah, we are we are definitely missing the little bits of graphic gore we needed here. I totally agree with you. I I do think that should come second to the filth, though, because I just the filth is so it 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 adds to that desperation and just mm-hmm. like you know just we need to get out of here. Just fear. And the only time we get that, maybe not the only time, but the only time it really stuck out to me was when they're in that boat and they're waiting for the tide to come in to push them back into the sea. And I guess they're getting shot at because someone's using them as target practice. Which is awesome. And then that's when they get desperate (laughs) and they're like, well, who the fuck are you, guy who hasn't talked? Gibson? Is that even your name? And then, you know, they try to get him to go out and kill those guys i don't know oh no they need to lose some weight that's right they need to lose some weight to get the boat moving and that's probably about the only time that there's some of that desperation and maybe some of that dirtiness there but 
I think that also only comes with the fact that it's dark in there, so he's kind of tricking us into thinking that there's that going on, but there's not. We're just in a darker area, so he can't light it up and make it beautiful. Yeah, he's just forced by virtue of the the setting that they've they've made the that it's gonna inherently look a little filthy. Absolutely. And I guess I mean he, he that is towards the very end of like their timeline, so maybe there is this maybe there is this escalation of filthiness, but these people should have started out filthy. Yeah. Because they're not they're not just that's this isn't their first day on the job. You know, it's kinda like in All Quiet on the Western Front. That's like one of the coolest things about the film is how at different times different people become just so filthy because they're the different things that are happening in that mm-hmm. movie. And uh, I mean, it probably won all kinds of awards, but it, I think it did win like production design or whatever at the Oscars and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think so. Not that that's a mark of a great film or anything, but it's just it's hard to. Uh, it it would have been that someone someone would have been like the, uh, you know, this is it's a little fishy that these guys didn't win because it's just so in your face the filth in that movie movie and yeah we uh i know we're on the sand we're not in the mud so there's that there is that difference but sand is filthy too like i mean it's just it does it dries and falls off a little sooner but that gives you the creative freedom to have sand in different places and you know because when you're covered in mud you're just covered in mud you know you're not it's gonna look the same in every every scene so you gotta you do need to be careful because you don't want to just be filthy all the time so you know you want to make it when the filth comes off you want to make it important to the film you know right uh, some kind of sense of relief but here it's you know we get these big explosions in the sand and we don't get any bodies that are really you know torn up and there's some there's it's missed it's definitely missed that would have elevated this film to really great heights yeah i i agree i agree and i don't think i would have ever noticed if you didn't watch Sisu? If I didn't watch Sisu, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Because, dude, that dude took a bath and he was still fucking dirty. Yeah. Because he lived out there. So, wow. Fucking great job. Great detail. Like, paying attention to detail kind of shit. Oh, my God. So, now I'm... I'm keeping an eye out I'm for I'm keeping her. an eye out. Yeah. Because when they were throwing those bombs or whatever, and um, our boy here, Tommy, ducks and he... Um, I guess he like lays flat on the sand and covers his head and you just see his hand. You see his him covering his face and you see his hand and he's on the sand and then you see the bombs. Boom, 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 which I thought was a great scene. Everything on the beach is 10 out of 10 amazing. This It's some of the coolest shots of any movie ever made. But then his hand... It was fucking cleaner than mine. Yeah. His hand was so clean. I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. All right. You know, great scene here. But, dude, I know you didn't just wash your hands. Yeah. Maybe maybe the oil scene where they're swimming through the oil and they're getting on that little boat, the civilian boat. Maybe that's Christopher Nolan's answer to like, all right, here's your filth. <laughs> maybe he's a germaphobe. He's just like. <gasps> maybe he's a germaphobe. Because I, I haven't seen all of his films. I've probably seen half of his, his filmography. But we'll go through it. But I don't think any of his films are really dirty. They don't really have a... And not all of them should be, of course, right? Right. But there should be 
it, it can be, you know, it's an important feature in a, in filmmaking and it can be very cool like it is in Sisu and All Quiet on the Western Front. The new All Quiet on the Western Front, I should say. It's a remake. Yeah. Well, it's actually a re-adaptation of the book. Yeah, I don't know. What, how you wanna, however you want to phrase that. But. Yeah, I guess we already talked about two of my um favorite scenes. The one where they're carrying him on the stretcher and then that one when the, where the when the bombs drop and he you know he's covering his head but another one of my favorite scenes is the intro oh i was about to say that was, was good it was a great intro great intro that was good i liked <laughs> it i was like okay you know i don't really like war movies or it's not that i don't like them maybe i haven't seen enough the few I've seen or the bits and pieces I've seen just bore me, so I don't know. But this intro got my attention. Yeah. Another problem, though, same problem we were just talking about. When these people got shot, you're just like, did he get shot? I yeah. couldn't even tell. You know, we see a little, a little bit of dust, and maybe okay if you get shot and at if you get shot by these weapons at the you know during war, during I guess the early days of World War One. Did this, when did this take place? 1940? 1941? 1940. During the early days of World War I, I mean World War Two. these maybe these weapons didn't just obliterate people, like some weapons maybe do. I, I'm not super familiar with guns either. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. But it for the sake of a movie, I almost feel like, I don't know, it's just this negotiation that has to happen. Like, do you want to serve the realism? Okay, these weapons don't just shred people, and so they, it's maybe a little less obvious that it's just, you know, killing folks. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to kind of dram- you know, dramatize it? I'm not, and uh, that's, you know, a very important distinction and very different And how, what are you going to take? And you have to commit to one or the other. And so it's, I just, I don't know if this was a very realistically created film i i need to be told and shown i guess if, if that's the case but i i did i was just, i was a little like oh like i shot you know it was yeah. cool though but it was just like ah, i want to where are the bullets i want to or where are the where are the people yelling like oh i got shot yeah <sighs> i don't know yeah my friend back there. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But that's also, I appreciate that. See, it's such a funny thing because they're, they're so done. You know, they, they don't have any yells left in them. You know what I mean? Yes. So like, I like that. And they, he commits to that all the way through. There's, there is just this element of we're fucking done. We just need, we want to get over we here. We want to go home. Yeah. And then they're, and we would get it a couple times by maybe the general or commander or whatever their title is where we can just, you know, he's like, we can, I can see the land mm-hmm. you know it's just like damn you know it's they're so close they're so close and like he's but he's just it just gives me that sense of like you know when you're lazy you know you see a thing you see i don't, I don't know what i'm saying but it just gives me when he says that it, get, it gives me a good sense of his desperation and just but not desperation to the point that he'll do anything to get over there but just desperation and exhaustion and just like if this last thing doesn't happen, we're all going to die. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. It's just, it's, it is good. It's well acted, well directed in that way. And it just, it just suffers from not building. It just, it suffers from the timeline thing and the filth, of course, in that it doesn't allow me to, it doesn't allow that tension to build in me whether, whether or not they're going to make it across because it jumps around too much. 
Yeah. But yeah, I like that intro a lot because they are just, they feel, they're almost, they, I guess it almost kind of feels like they feel safe for a split second and they're like getting some water, about to go to the bathroom and stuff and then just get taken off immediately and then we got one guy who escapes and I mean, I even asked if it was, was it the French who killed them? Then they did, they couldn't tell because they were too far away. I don't mm-hmm. even know. And I think that's maybe it is Beth. If that is something that happened, that friendly fire, accidental friendly fire. I guess that. I guess it is. If it's friendly fire, it's inherently accidental. I guess. But I imagine that did happen. Because I mean, can you? Especially if people are so filthy, can you even tell what side they're on? Yeah. I don't know. And I like that maybe if that does happen, if that was a very realistic point, I'm glad that they didn't like tell us either because they could have and been, you know, it would have been like, oh, shit, that happens. But I'm glad that it kind of leaves it up for interpretation. Yeah. But then he walks out and he's like, I'm English. It's funny. It's it's I mean, it's not funny, funny, but it's it's funny. It's yeah. Yeah. Reading about this film and, um, you know, pre pre-production is that just before it started filming i guess um it was pretty cool and i think it made me appreciate the film a little more there were actually some scenes shot at dunkirk and what the scenes that weren't were shot somewhere else just because of how uh how much of the settings or landmarks or whatever were destroyed during the war so they couldn't use those so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I was also reading that the costumes were all like hand sewn from this wool. I don't know, fancy wool. I don't. I don't know, fabric terms, and like the shoes were made in Mexico, and that they needed like six thousand um, extras, and then you're hand sewing these costumes. For your 6,000 extras? What? That's pretty cool. It's insane. You can't just CG people. <laughs> you can, but the commitment here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you have to admire Christopher Nolan's know-how and commitment to do that. Yeah, it's that's that's crazy talk right there. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And it puts... I mean, I don't love Christopher Nolan, but, man, it is hard not to admire that kind of work you know he's <laughs> jesus christ that's amazing and you know he rented out and had all these planes refitted to yes to make this film possible it's just like what that's crazy what and then it's, it's i mean it is crazy it's just it's unbelievable i mean i know i i don't really get the pretentious point on Christopher Nolan, I don't know why people say that because he's he clearly knows how to make a film to just the craziest degree. He knows how to make everything happen, mm-hmm. and he does his research. Yeah, just from the little bit of reading, you know, it's not a hundred percent factual in that these characters were real live people. Yeah, but. He he did his that, research. That's an important point of the movie, though, that none of these characters are have names, really. You know. Yeah. They do have yes. some of them have do names have names, obviously, but so actually, I mean, I guess that's worth bringing up before I forget totally is, 
I kind of have a problem with Harry Styles in this movie because he's a face that we know, you know, and it's kind of an important thing in this movie of people we don't, you know, super familiar with. And he's, he's a superstar. And so he really kind of, he brings an unnecessarily amount of character to a character who doesn't have any character, you know? So it's just, yeah. And I know I saw he like, he got hired for the job because of his look, his classic old fashioned look or whatever they Mm -hmm. said on the, some, the wiki page or somewhere where I read, but I wish he uh, was just a random bozo and not Harry Styles. Cause it, well, I will tell you that I didn't immediately notice that it was Harry Styles. I had to, I, I looked at him, I'm like, that dude looks, he's either Harry Styles or looks a lot like him. And that was it. I didn't think much of it until after I looked at the wiki page and then it confirmed. And I'm like, oh, okay, it was Harry Styles. Okay, that's good. That's good. And I, I, it is worth noting, I guess, that he wasn't front and center. I don't think at any point he was always behind the front and center or like in a group. And especially like in the, the hull of that boat, I think that was probably his most screen time. Yep. He was always kind of obscured by, you know, the, the lighting or just other people and stuff. And the editing's pretty quick in that bit. So it's it's kinda it is kinda hard to focus on him. So I will say I will say that. Yeah, and I think all of the um British soldiers that were main here were British. And that reminds me a little bit of uh I guess JK Rowling and wanting to keep her cast As authentic as possible. As authentic as possible. I love it, so. yeah. That's I like that. I like yes. that. Especially when it's called for and it's not just it's you know if it's just called for you know because another the opposite of that is just diversity for diversity's sake and that doesn't that that just doesn't make sense that doesn't make sense anywhere except in a really specific handful of you know situations. Yes. So Little Mermaid, you fucked up. <laughs> yes, it's actually <laughs> completely idiotic. <laughs> <laughs> that film's so bad. I want to see a Christopher Nolan Little Mermaid. I don't think it could be worse than the Little Mermaid that we had here. So, yeah, no, it would. It actually be probably pretty good. What do you think of the the pilot who you know was really good at his job, who landed in the sand, Tom Hardy's character, and got taken away by the the enemy? Would you rather him have crashed and like sacrificed him his life? He, he like he he worked he he. He performed his duties to the very end, right before he, you know, just had to bite it. Or are you glad that he was able to land mir- miraculously and got fucking taken as a war prisoner? Yeah, I have. I I do have a problem with that. Either I wanted him to at least eject and use his parachute. Why did he not eject? I have no clue. Why did that other guy not eject either? Who landed in the water? He said. I think he said something. He said, "Like no, I like I I think I can land this or something." He says something. To, I know he justified why he didn't, because he opened up his little thing. Yeah, but why does it matter? Why would you want to land it? You're gonna land in the fucking water, you know. Get out of there and then parachute close to a civilian boat or something. I know that he saw that civilian boat. Yeah, I I don't know, but I kind of wish this other dude. Tom Hardy's character, is that what he said? Yeah. I wish he would have died. Like it that been was cool. his last like like a sacrifice. Yeah. He would have sacrificed himself. That would have been awesome. I did forget that he got taken away. So okay. 
all right, there's 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 a little bit of there's a little bit of redemption there. Okay, he got taken away, but I I just wish he would have crashed. I wish he couldn't land as gracefully as he did. You know, just because everyone was cheering for him and he he did he killed the enemy so all these people could survive basically and then we see this like scene of all these civilian boats coming to rescue everybody i needed that last like oh this guy just died and saved everybody and it's such a beautiful moment but no he landed all gracefully everyone's still cheering he's like haha good i look what i did his plane got caught on fire i don't know what happened there and then they took him like, uh, all right i guess i'll settle for this ending yeah it kind of reminds me of requiem for a dream where we have these different characters who we were seeing like the many different outcomes of what can happen in a war setting we see people getting crushed by the boats we see people drowning we see people get away of course we see people get taken down in airplanes we see people get destroyed by bombs some people shot, and then we just, we have, of course, have to have the prisoner of war, you know? It's just, uh, it just wasn't the setting for that, I feel like. Yeah. I agree. That would imply that all these Germans were... Right there. Were right there, the and yes, if, oh, we knew they were right there. They kind of said that they were, they had that, like, area blocked off. I don't know if there was, like, a an agreement to let the Britons, the Brits get back to the mainland because you know war is kind of funny like that where you're given a chance to recoup and stuff and everything there's rules to war i don't know if you know that you'll have to read about it nah if you're in war you're in war you know what i'm saying i don't know because you know i don't i don't know i'm not a war general it's do we do we bomb the civilians like of our enemy yes do we take out their Sacred areas, their churches, and their culturally important areas. Heck yes. Take the wives, we, take the children. We take out their farms. Yes. We take out their food supplies yes. and stuff. So it's, Destroy I don't know. them, flood them, catch them on fire. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But I, It's like very, you know, because it's... That's this, what I want in movies. Yeah, you know? of course, of course. But the, you know, cause the civilian's not the enemy, right? It sucks to suck, man. Just sucks to suck. Yep. That's what the Mongols said, too. <laughs> the 900s <laughs> yeah i don't know if talking with you made me either move from one direction or the other on this film i think i'm leaning towards like a 2.5 maybe a three but i wouldn't watch this movie again and i would have a hard time i'm with you and i would have a hard time recommending this film solely because it's just it's a little frustrating to watch and it's the it really is that editing. I can get over not the editing, but the. I mean, I guess it is. Yes, literally the editing and where the cuts take you and stuff. But the the timeline, the overlapping, converging timelines, it's just so unnecessary. And I don't. And if it's, I I can't be, I can't believe anything, but I believe it's to give you this satisfaction and like, oh, those are those people, you know, swimming in the water and things like that towards the end. And it's just not enough because it's not a, it's not a big reveal for a serial killer or a who's done it or whatever, I guess. And it's not, not that those are any fucking good anyways, normally, but 
it's it's not these it's not a big dramatic reveal you know yeah so i just it, it does hurt i'm with you i'm sitting at a 2.53 as well i can't really decide which way i want to go I feel like a three I would recommend to somebody if they had nothing to watch. And it's like, well, you could probably watch this. But I don't think so. I think more closer to a 2.5 for me. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll have some kind of revelation with this, but I'm with you. How much do you think this movie costs to make, man? Okay. So here's my thoughts before I share the number. The costumes, like that. Oh my god, I can only imagine. And then you said the thing about the um the aircraft. You know, you have these boats. I'm sure you shot on water. Oh my gosh, there were so many things. And then um, it's a Christopher Nolan film, so I feel like that you just kind of have to up it a little bit just on that fact alone. Yeah, he shoots on IMAX. Very expensive. <laughs> okay. So, I went with three hundred and ten million. Oh no, your face! <laughs> <laughs> I was originally thinking two fifty, but I'm like, holy shit! The the, the six thousand extra French people. Yeah. Or is it is it worth mentioning that it's only an hour and forty minutes? It's pretty short. He did have over 50 hours of footage at the end of filming this. Yeah, no, no, that's not worth anything. I don't know. I don't know. This one was tricky. It is tricky. I'm with you, and I'm surprised, actually, at the budget after seeing it. I would have, I would guess, high, too. But is it even higher than your thoughts? Even higher than my thoughts? No way. No way? Okay. No way. Are you ready to lock that in? No. I'm not locking anything in. (laughs) It says here that it's eighty-two to one hundred and fifty million. It's way what? it's way cheaper than I would have thought. Eighty-two. Yeah, which is not a range. You can't have an you can't have a range that starts with one and then it is the double of that starting point. That's not a that's that's not. I mean, that, I guess that is a range, but the budget can't be <laughs> the range like that. That's just that's doesn't make any fucking sense. But yeah, so I'm way off. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I would have guessed upwards of two fifty as well. All right, well, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, I mean that's that's a sign of he knows how to spend his money. He knows how to he's he's good with money apparently. At least in this film. Yeah. At least in this film. Every film's different, of course. But this movie did go on to make quite a bit of money. Five hundred twenty-seven million. Very good. Oh wow. Good job, man. Good for you. It's more than Tenant. That made like $5. That also put me to sleep. Tenant's Tenant sucks. Yeah. Tenant sucks. That was rough. Tenant's is, you know, Tenant's that, Tenant is like this weird thing that he had to get out, kind of like David Lynch and Inland Empire. You know, he just had to get it out of him and it's not very good. Or maybe it's a test. I mean, I have this theory with David Lynch's film, Inland Empire. I think it's a test of his audience for his audience in that he's testing audience to say, to ask the question, can I make anything? And they're going to think it's good. And the answer is yes, that his audience does say that. And I say, you guys are fucking idiots. This movie (laughs) sucks. Inland Empire sucks. And I know, I think it's, 
if I remember correctly, it's a film about making films. And that is in itself kind of proves to me that it is a film to test his audience. Yeah. Uh, you have to go watch it to really see that, I think. But And I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe when I rewatch it, I'll think it's the greatest thing ever. But thank you for watching this film with me. This is a very, this is a very good, it's a good watch. It, it is a good watch if you're... Yeah don't have a lot of other movies to watch and stuff you know you always you, you should try to watch your the, the best of the best out there of course we're all guilty of not getting to the best of the best and we just we watch the fucking chicken run i mean not chicken run we watch chicken little that's what i meant to say okay. for the sixth time say. it's like why are we watching chicken little i don't know the movie's trash but chicken run chicken run's pretty good we have an episode on that if you want to go check that out Dude, Chicken Run, Chicken Run is a classic. Yes, that is true. Don't be hating on Chicken Run. No, I'm not hating on Chicken Run. All right, but you're welcome. You're welcome for watching this film with you. I feel like we kind of got out of a bad movie slump there. We yeah. didn't. We didn't. You know, shoot out of this slump. No, we that's it's tough to. Sh- we but we 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 crawled. We crawled out of it. Yeah, great films are rare like they they should be they should be rare we don't want everything to be great because then all of a sudden you're like god do i have any taste at all <laughs> you know you want to have some kind of caliber right to be able to see where you're at in the world be able to think about movies in a really creative and productive way yeah you know and criticize appropriately and this i mean this is a great film i just i i, I feel like there's obvious things that could make this film really great mm-hmm. that just I don't know how they didn't happen. I don't know how the filth wasn't obvious. Okay, the gore, okay. You want to keep this movie maybe PG-13. I get it. Just for the sake of ratings and that's, you know, our movies typically don't do as well as PG-13 counter uh, counterparts. But the timeline thing is a real hang-up, I think. And it's it's frustrating. And I don't want to be frustrated in a film like that, you know? Yeah. I don't want to be confused. Yeah. That's the last thing I want to think about. Where where am I at in this film? Yeah, at least yeah, confusion in that way. As far as like confusion and like, I don't know. But yeah, 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 yeah. like confusion, and then you're gonna you know give me the reveal later, and make me go oh, and you know go like that. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm I'm for that. But confusion, as in I have to find where I am, and then you know, I'm ten minutes later. I'm like, okay, I think I know where I'm at, but then it didn't even matter anymore. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this fine episode of the Film Steins. Was it a good episode? Yep. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. I hope everyone at home has a good rest of their day. Drive home safe if you're driving. Don't text and drive. Don't text and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and That's drive. That's a good one. Yes. Don't shoot fireworks off in your car. That's a good one, yep. too. Don't speed and then crash into uh, car washes. Yup, that's crazy shit yeah. right there. Stay safe. Stay stay safe out there. Thank, um, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Film of Steins. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained some new insights and perspectives on the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially Patreon at patreon.com slash And follow us on social media for more film-related content. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. Until next time, keep watching keep loving the magic of movies. This is The Film of Steins, signing off. <laughs>